What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Breaking the Goal Line Podcast. I am your host, as always, Russell Goddard, coming at you at a little different time. Friday evening, after round two of the Masters, have just consumed nothing but every single Tiger Wood shot for the last two days. It's been pretty amazing. Uh, I've been yelling at my TV, uh, so my voice maybe is a little gone, so trying to drink a glass of red wine. Uh, kind of help uh, clear that out, but Masters has been phenomenal. Tiger made the cut. I got some thoughts on Tiger. Have to open the show. I know we're a football podcast, but look, everybody knows how much I love golf. You've been listening for a while. Uh, I got a little thoughts on the owners meeting. Uh, some some statements came out that they are not very happy with the Haslam's, the Browns owners, uh, and I wouldn't be either if you gave your quarterback $230 million guaranteed. Completely changes the market. Uh, Frank Gore, who I, I think... I mean, I, I don't think I can remember football without Frank Gore. He is signing signed with the Niners. He's going to retire. What an unbelievable Hall of Fame career. Uh, tip of the hat to him. Uh, Debo Samuels. We got some Debo Samuels drama. Uh, he's removing. He removed the Niners from his Instagram. It, it's just, this is bore. It bores me. It's just ridiculous. This is like the new thing. And I get it. You know, it's a new day and age. Everything. We're addicted to social media, all that stuff. But man, like, what the fuck's the point? What the fuck's the point? We'll get into that. And then the mock draft, of course. Mock draft is getting juicy. <laughs> mock draft is getting juicy. Today we get the Eagles and the Saints trade. <clears throat> we do all we do both of their picks. So we got four Eagles and Saints picks with just one Charger pick today. So it's it's a real big I, I, I just 16 through 20 here. So much can happen. You can see, you can I, I think this is a big spot for the Chiefs to jump up and make a move. 16 through 20, seen as the Saints and the Eagles both have one. I think the Eagles will mostly work back and hell, hell, see what the Saints are gonna do. Maybe they move up and get those picks, but good, good, uh, good meaty part of the mock draft here. So we'll do that. But before we do, as always, go ahead and leave a review. Please, five stars, four stars, three stars, whatever you want. You know, don't discriminate against reviews. But they help the show. Tell your friends, tell your families, tell your enemies. Uh, just let them know. Come listen to the show. Let's talk a little football. Well, I guess before we talk a little football, let's talk a little golf. And let's in particular talk a little Eldrick Tiger Woods. Man is 46 years old, playing in his 23rd, 23rd Masters. He's made 22 consecutive cuts. He's only missed one ever cut. It's phenomenal. At 46, what's going on? We didn't know he was going to play. All of a sudden... It kind of got rumors. We got rumblings. You know, he might be out there. He's working with his caddy. And then, boom, Monday morning this week, he's there. He's at Augusta. He says he feels good. And he looks good. He looks good. Had an amazing Thursday round. I mean, one under. And then eh, a little rough today, but the course was fucking horrible. I mean, if you unless your name was Scotty Scheffler, Justin Thomas had a good round too. But Scotty was unbelievable today. Tough round. He was minus. He was plus two. But he's got it to plus one. He made the cut. Uh, just phenomenal. And we're talking about a guy which 17 months ago we saw Tiger Woods come on Sunday afternoon with Jim Nance. I mean with <laughs> Jim Nance Sunday afternoon at Riviera 17 months ago. He didn't look good. I remember sitting, whatever, drinking whatever, sitting on my couch outside like, man, Tiger does not look good. His puffy face. Looked like he was either intoxicated or some type of maybe pills or whatever, medication. He didn't look good. He clearly was not in a good place. Fast forward three months from that, the dude almost dies. 
The man almost dies. Goes 80. Now you could say the brakes weren't touched. You know what happened? What was going on? Was he impaired? I don't know. But what I do know is that I mean, he was lucky to be alive. I, I heard from uh, a podcast that I listened to who has a buddy in the Bay Area that was first on the scene, was one of the uh, first firefighters on the scene, said that there was bone fragments all over the place. He shattered his leg, shattered his leg, spent three weeks in the hospital, at one point thought he was going to have to amputate his leg, a lot like Alex Smith. Three weeks in the hospital, three weeks at home. Next thing you know, four months later, he's out with Charlie, his son. They're playing just rounds of golf together. And then they're playing the father-son tournament. He looks pretty good. But when that happened, and that car accident happened, I thought Tiger Woods was never going to play another professional round of golf again. Most, um, I think a lot, a lot like you. I think everybody did. A lot, I'm Almost everybody thought, man, that's it. He's 45 at the time that it happened. There's just there's no reason for him to come back. His leg is destroyed. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And and then we started hearing when we saw him out with Charlie, and I said, well, no way this year. Maybe in two, maybe next year, the year after that, he might come back for one or two. But but to come back after 14 months, after 509 days of not playing a professional round of golf, after that leg uh, injury, surgery after surgery, to come back at 46 years old. And do what he's doing, absolutely astonishing me. I, I am like a fucking 12-year-old boy again. Tiger Woods is bigger than golf. T- uh, Tom Brady's not bigger than the NFL. Peyton Manning's not bigger than the NFL. Sure, when both those guys were at the peak of their powers, and they were going at it once once a year, and then once in the playoffs, it was fucking awesome. And it was great for the sport. But Peyton Manning retired and became a Hall of Famer, and the NFL went on, and it was fine. Ratings actually have been higher since Peyton Manning retired. Now, that's not a knock on Peyton. That's just saying where the NFL is going. Same with Tom. When Tom retires, it's not like the NFL is just going to diminish. When After the, everything happened in 2008, with the whole cheating scandal, he, you know, they had those wife and his back injury and all that, the golf ratings plummeted. Plummeted. Nobody was watching. Not a soul. Tiger Woods changed the game of golf. Changed the game of golf. He is bigger than the sport. And there are very few people that are bigger than your sport. Muhammad Ali was bigger than boxing. Right? Bigger than boxing, Muhammad Ali. Michael Phelps might be bigger than swimming, but I don't know. Like, Serena Williams is not bigger than tennis. Right? There are other amazing female tennis players that come before her, paid the rail. She's not bigger than tennis. Now, she's great. She's not bigger than... Rafael Nadal's not bigger than tennis. Tiger Woods, bigger than golf. Tiger, literally, every every fucking guy, every grown man, for, I mean, if you're at least, I don't know, 20 years old, you are running to your TV, running to your TV to watch this weekend. I was. I set my entire schedule around it. I was not going to miss a second of this. It is an absolutely remarkable feat. And when he won in 2019, he had that amazing kind of stretch. End of 2018, he ends up winning the PGA Championship. Phenomenal. Holds holds off Brooks Kepka. Just looks good. Then comes just a few months later and wins at Augusta for his fifth green jacket in 2019. I remember watching that in my apartment in Orlando, Florida at the time. And I was emotional. It overtook me. On 18, when he made, he had a two putt to win. And he just, first one, just put it up there. 
just lagged it, had a little three-putter, and when I knew that three-putter was going to win, I said, holy shit, hands on top of my head, and I, I couldn't help but to be moved by the moment. Tiger Woods emotionally moved me from fucking winning in 2019, and he was, what, 43 years old? Unbelievable win. Come from behind on the pack the way that he did that shot on 12, that shot on fucking 18. Phenomenal. It's phenomenal. I remember the girl I was seeing at the time being just absolutely flabbergasted that this grown man is having tears in his eyes because this dude's winning a fucking Masters. It, 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 but that's what Tiger does. Tiger changed the game. The, the, the purses, the winnings, would not be even close to how, the, how big they are without Tiger Woods. The players would not have been three and a half, four million dollars. The Masters is five million dollars this year. Like, it's it's for the for first place. It's it's insane. The purses purses are gigantic because of Tiger Woods. That's why he gets the pip, the players' money. Like he gets that every single year. And most and, and you could talk to the players around. They say just give him that extra money every year. It's it's the player that brings in the extra revenue service, and it's all kind of shared throughout the players, and it's money that he earns. He gets it every year because he brings in more revenue. These guys should be literally writing Tiger Woods personal thank you notes this week. It, every player on tour should be writing Tiger Woods, and maybe unless you're Freddie fucking Couples, right? Unless you're Freddie Couples, but everybody else should be writing Tiger Woods a personal thank you. For making them the one, for, he made them 1% of the 1%. 1% of the 1% in this world. And that is the impact that Tiger Wood has had on golf. The impact that Tiger Wood has had on me. The impact that Tiger Wood has had on anybody that's watched golf. Fuck, the impact Tiger Wood's had on people that are just casual golfers. They don't even watch golf. I got a buddy who literally is only watching, like he doesn't watch golf that much. He's literally tuning in to watch Tiger in the Masters. He's watched both days. He's going to watch what he can. It's, it, it's, it's, you just come. You just have to watch. You just, he, he's electrifying. And what he's doing right now, it's fucking amazing. And I cannot believe I get to watch it. And he made the cut. And I get Saturday, Sunday, Tiger Woods. I don't care how he finishes. I think he's going to be a top 20, though. I think he actually might have a chance for a top 10. But I don't care. I just get to watch him. I get to watch every fucking swing. And the way that he works around this golf course is masterpiece. It's like watching Peyton Manning throw a football. It's like watching Tom Brady work a two-minute drill. It's absolutely phenomenal. Tiger Woods, absolutely fucking fantastic. Okay, now that I got all the golf out of my system, and it's going to be there. I mean, Masters come along, a major comes along. It's a big thing. I consume a lot of golf. I mean, I consume a lot of golf, a lot of football and a lot of golf. You know, I usually consume my, my, my Phoenix Suns. Baseball just started. I don't really think many people care. My Diamondbacks suck, so why would I watch them? Uh, but let's let's get into some football here. And let's start with some reports that came out in the owners' meeting. Uh, you know, just a few kind of reports were out there. Peter Schrager had a couple. Uh, uh, Glazer had one. There was uh, some pretty, pretty uncomfortable talk towards Jimmy Haslam, the owner of the Cleveland Browns. That gave Deshaun Watson $230 million, 100% guaranteed. Now, <laughs> how, how the NFL works, and I'm sure everyone's realized seeing that now, I mean, 
Devontae Adams, huge contract, right? And that pushed Tyreek Hill to have that huge contract. And when Cooper Cup comes up, he'll have a huge contract. And Debo Samuel, so we'll get into it in a little bit later, he wants that big. Every time, you know, someone gets paid and it resets the market, it, it resets the market. That's the new standard. And it's the next person's going to be more. And then it's going to be more. And it's going to go up and up and up. Like the cap every year goes up and up and up. 15, 20% every single year. Well, when you give a guy $230 million all guaranteed, that is an outrageous contract. That literally sets the tone. Deshaun wants to go, I mean, fuck Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. These guys aren't getting $230 million guaranteed. Like Mahomes got a lot of guaranteed money, but <laughs> it's $230 million guaranteed for what, five years? And essentially he's getting $1 million this year. One. That's it. And then the rest, $229 million come the next four years. It's it's outrageous. And some of these owners that have a quarterback by the name of, I don't know, Justin Herbert, who's coming into his third year, and a quarterback by, I don't know, Joe Burrow, who's coming into his third year, those two owners for the Chargers and the, and the Bengals are two of the most notorious, cheapest owners in the league. The, the Bengals at one point were known as the welfare team because they literally only make money off of their football program. The owners, the Browns, that's that's their last name. The Browns own the Bengals. I know it's they're actually my they actually were minority owners of the Steelers at one point. Came over and got the uh, got the Bengals. That's another story. So the Browns, I mean, they don't make any other money. They they have nothing. They they don't have any other revenue service other than their football team because they were a minority owner from the Steelers and that's all they decided to do. Then they decided to buy the Bengals and now they got Joe Burrow, which is great, but Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, these guys get paid after their third year. Hell, even Deshaun Watson after his after his third year got his big money contract from Houston. It's the best time to play a quarterback when you know they're a baller, right? Unless you think you can go one more year, you have a chance to win the Super Bowl, keep it a little bit low, stack up that one year, then pay him the next year. But Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow are going to get paid. And they're going to get paid a lot of money. And Dean Spanos, who was really fucking cheap for the Chargers for decades now, is now looking at Haslam and just has to be saying, fuck you, bro. Fuck you. Because Deshaun Watson has not played football an entire year. And you go, oh, why, Russ? Did he tear his ACL or, you know, hurt himself? No, no. He didn't. He just decided not to play. And then four days later, had one of the most biggest legal investigations in the history of the league with 22 women suing him. He didn't play the entire year. Justin Herbert has been amazing two straight years in a row. Has is has improved and will continue to improve because you just, you could see it. Joe Burrow went to the fucking Super Bowl last year. Beat Patrick Mahomes in the AFC Championship game. Went toe-to-toe and was leading in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. These guys are going to get paid. They are good. But Brown and, and Spanos are just giving the big middle finger over to Haslam. They have to be pissed at this. Have to be pissed. Because you know the, you know Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert's angel, agents, they're just licking their lips. Because how are you going to say that Deshaun Watson is better than both of these guys? One just went to the Super Bowl and has been phenomenal for two years off of an ACL. So yeah, he did get hurt, but then he went to the Super Bowl, uh, pay up. And the other one has been absolutely fucking fantastic and has gone toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes and is 2-2 two two against Patrick Mahomes. He's, 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 he's amazing. 
These guys are getting paid. But now because of this $230 million, which is an outrageous deal, the Browns going to have to dish out more. Spanos is going to have to dish out more. The Bengals are going to have to pay Joe Burrow. And we all knew that originally. But what's it going to be now? Are we going to start looking at just unbelievable guaranteed highs? Because you got to realize the guaranteed money is the actual contract. Patrick Mahomes' 10 million or 10 year, $500 million contract, that's not actually real. The real money was like his, what was it, 150 or 175? No, it was almost 200 million guaranteed, right? That's what it was. So that's his real contract. So essentially, Patrick Mahomes is under contract for 10 years, $200 million with everything else. And I know he's going to get more money as it goes, but they're going to be able to restructure. And so if you give him that $200 million, then you get him, let's say you restructure after five years. Well, okay, you're paying him $50 million a year. That's what Patrick Mahomes probably goes for now. And then you can restructure, you add more guaranteed money, you maybe turn into a sinus bonus, and you keep his cap down so you can add good players. You know, you don't, I mean, you get your Tyree kills and wants all that. Is this the new? Is this what's going to happen now? We're just going to start dishing out huge guaranteed money, so these quarterbacks will stay. I just fuck. If if I'm Spanos, if I'm the Chargers, if I'm the Bengals, I'm just like, dude, fuck you, man. So I saw earlier this week that uh, former 49er great Frank Gore is announcing his retirement, and Frank Gore has been a journeyman in the league. It's 2000. Officially hasn't played a game since 2020, but he has been a free agent and now he's retired. He's officially retiring. But Frank Gore was drafted in 2005. He played for a long time on multiple teams, had a 10-year stretch for San Francisco. And I remember Frank Gore with the Niners very well. Being a Cardinals fan growing up, 2005, that'd make me 12 years old. So really coming right into the peak of really starting to learn football, starting to see these guys more. I remember Frank Gore eating our lunch every single time we played him. He just destroyed the Cardinals. Was a phenomenal running back. And you know the thing about Frank Gore? He loved to pass block. He was a willing, willing pass blocker. Adrian Peterson, who, yeah, is a better is a better overall running back. Yeah, you could say he's a better running back than Frank Gore, sure. But Adrian Peterson refused to pass block. I mean, refused. Saquon Barkley refuses to pass block. There are, there are plenty of Alvin Kamara. Now he's gotten better at it, but now that Sean Payton isn't there, is Alvin Kamara going to pass block anymore? I don't think so. Frank Gore lived to fucking pass block. That's what I, one thing I'll say about Ezekiel Elliott. And who was Ezekiel when Ezekiel Elliott came out? He said one of his favorite running backs to watch growing up, Frank Gore. I loved watching myself some Frank Gore. He is a future Hall of Famer. 16,000 yards, 81 total touchdowns, averaged four and a half a carry. The guy was a monster. And, and he was on some bad San Francisco teams. He got drafted the same year as Alex Smith uh, for the Niners, and that was just kind of a debacle. But then Jim Jim Harbaugh... or. John Harbaugh comes into play for the Niners, and he apps Jim Harbaugh. I said, John, goddamn. Jim Harbaugh comes, and he loves Frank Gore. And those few years, those three years with Harbaugh, Frank Gore was a monster. They hit him. Alex Smith was rolling. Then they bring in Kaepernick. They were switching out. I remember they drafted Glenn Coffey. Glenn Coffey, I thought that guy was going to be the shit. Turned out to be not very good. Uh, maybe I just loved his name, but I loved him in college. Loved Glenn Coffey. I thought, man, the Niners is perfect. He's going to sit behind Gore. He's going to learn. 
But really, a tip of the hat to Frank Gore. I mean, played, went to Indiana for like three years, bounced around Miami, Buffalo. He, you know, he finished his career in the NFC East. Uh, sorry, the AFC East. And that seems like where every running back, wide receiver, just kind of goes and finishes their career. The AFC East. You go play for like Miami and Buffalo, the Jets. Maybe Belichick takes you like a year. You just go out to that rotational spot and then you're done. But really, a tip of the cap to Frank Gore. Honestly, he's a dying, he's a dead breed. Not a dying, he's a dead breed of running back. Just a dead breed. Maybe Dalvin Cook is the closest thing to a Frank Gore in the league now. Uh, McCaffrey loves to run block, but McCaffrey's not Gore. I mean, McCaffrey's a fucking awesome running back, but I don't know, is he anymore? He's barely played the last two seasons. It's pretty. It's been pretty tough. And that's it. Frank Gore was never hurt. Frank Gore was never hurt his 10 years of San Francisco. I, just 1,000 yards, 1,100, 1,200 yards a year. It seemed like he was just banging out 8 to 10 touchdowns a year. I, I just... You know, I just he's he's a legend. He's he's definitely a guy that that I I pulled to as a kid. I was damn this guy's just fucking great. Him, Priest Holmes, Larry Johnson in the running back, you know, I mean obviously my earlier Terrell Davis Terrell Davis days, he's the running back that really fucking boo. I was like, hey, I like running backs. I like this guy. Now it turns out I love running backs. I just want to rotate them out and don't want to pay him big money. But Frank Gore, congratulations on an amazing Hall of Fame career. He will be the Hall of Famer. Fucking hell yeah, buddy. I'm going to miss watching you play, but congrats, man. Debo! Debo Samuels. One of the most dynamic, or maybe even the most dynamic player in the NFL last year. Him, Jamar Chase. You maybe had a couple other guys. I mean, Cooper Cop. But what, what Debo Samuels did last year was pretty fucking amazing. I mean, the dude was just good. I mean, the dude had 11 rushing... No, no, no. What did he have? Sorry. 11 rush touchdowns. He had eight rushing touchdowns, and he had six receiving touchdowns. He, he, was, he, was, he was phenomenal. He, 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 he could get the, it seemed like he scored on the same running play seven times. Seven times. It, it's just, he was really good. 59 rushes, 365 yards. 59 rushes is a lot, though. That's more than you want to get him. 77, 77 catches for 1,400 yards. Phenomenal. He was fantastic. He averaged 18 yards of fucking reception. He was so good. So good. And I get it. But Debo Samuels now has removed everything Niners from his Instagram. Because that's just the move now. He pulled a Kyler Murray. How how did that work out for Kyler? Pretty sure he he backpedaled, right? Put everything back up. We haven't heard a peep since. So this is a move that Debo made. Now, this kind of came out of the blue. I didn't hear about this at first. So apparently Peter Schrager was on the Pat McAfee show yesterday and said that we're talking about Debo and that Debo wasn't going to get that Kyle wasn't going to pay Debo this year. That's not how Kyle does business. Kittle had to wait, right? These guys all had to wait. Jimmy had to wait for a little bit. These guys had to wait. That's how Kyle's MO goes. So Debo's going to get paid well, not when Debo's ready, but when the team's ready. Like I guess Debo was watching. 30 minutes later he does all this and then his agent now then puts out a statement wants to be the highest paid non-quarterback in the NFL. Bro, what? Bro, what? After one year? After one year? Yes, and you were phenomenal. But this is, you play, you've been in the league for three years now. Three years. Your first year, your rookie year, you were okay. You know, you were you were pretty much hurt and limited for most of the season. But look, 51, 51, 57 catches, 802 yards, three touchdowns, right? And then you had three rushing touchdowns. You had three rush touchdowns on 14 carries. Not bad for a rookie. 
but he was in and out of the lineup constantly. He missed. He ended up missing. He ended up missing three games, three games that year, but in and out of the lineup constantly with hamstring and his foot fracture. He was very, very limited. Fast forward to the next season, he missed half. He missed nine football games. Misses nine football games. Pulls and tears his hamstring. For the he tore, what he tore his hamstring. He had like a hamstring grain all the way. He also had a groin strain. Go back to college. He tore his hamstring multiple times in college. He broke his fucking leg in college in 2017. Broke his leg. He's got constant hamstrings, constant foot problems, has constant calf problems. The dude has been unhealthy. Now, let's go back to last year. He played all he played every game. Now, was he in and out? Was he banged up? Yes. And the way that Kyle Shanahan's going to use him, he's going to get banged up. The way that he plays, he only knows how to play one way, and that's hard. That's just full right at you. And I love that at Debo Samuel. He's fucking fantastic. I want him on my team. But I'm not paying you $75 million because you think you deserve it after this one year because of these guys are getting Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill. You look over at A.J. Brown you, who, who, I mean, who, and D.K. Metcalf. Who are your? They they got drafted the same year as you. You look at these guys like uh, Justin Jefferson. These guys are going to get paid probably this year, and they deserve it. But they've been balling. They've been showed it for multiple years. If Debo comes out and does even half of what he did last year, he'll be the highest paid in the wide receiver in the league. But this nonsense that because he run because he runs the football and he receives the football, don't running backs catch the ball too? I'm pretty sure there there are multiple. Christian McCaffrey had like 67, 70, I think it was 72 catches. His his last year he was fully healthy. So should we pay Christian McCaffrey as, as like that too? Because he runs it and, and he receives it? No? Why not? Don't running backs catch the football? Don't, aren't wide receivers supposed to line up and maybe run jet sweeps or get the ball in your hand and make plays? I I'm paying you to make plays. I don't give a fuck what your position is, bro. You doesn't the wide receiver to running back that you don't get any more money. It's like it's pretty much the same. But you want to get. I understand you want special circumstances. Debo, chill. And this isn't Debo's mo. This whole Instagram thing that doesn't fucking matter. This just shows that Debo may be a little disgruntled with what Kyle is offering him, which is probably somewhere around. You know, I would probably say the high forties, maybe like fifty, with probably something like twenty four guaranteed. Debo wants like $75 million with like 49 guaranteed. Because that's what these guys are getting. Tyreek Hills. That's that's what Devontae Adams is, are getting. They're getting these, they're getting pretty ridiculous numbers. You know, they're getting $50 million guaranteed. That's what Debo wants. But after one year, I couldn't do it. No possible way that I could do it. He's a sweet player, yes. But man, major injury concerns. And for how you're gonna use him, there's no way that once you pay him, that it's worth the money. It's not worth the money. Yes, it is, Russ. Have you seen him? He's amazing. Long term, it's not worth the money. There's a new number one wide receiver every year in the NFL. There's new top five wide receivers every year in the NF fucking out. These guys, they move. They're a diamond. I can get 17 wide receivers in the first three rounds this year. I can go out and trade for one. I can do this. I understand you want to keep a player like Debo Samuels around Trey Lance to develop and get it going. But this is not Kyle's M.O. He is not going to pay him. I, I really do not believe Debo Samuels gets paid. Not at the price point that he wants. Maybe they can finally come to terms with something. Like, what if they just offer Debo 60 with, like, 30 guaranteed? I would say, why, why wouldn't you take that? Why wouldn't you take that? 
He wants Debo wants twenty three million dollars a year. That's ridiculous. I, I can't give that to you right now. Next year, if you do, if if, if you take us, fine. If you, you if you do it again, if you put us on your back again like you did this year, the last half of the year, and carried that team to the playoffs, which he did, he did. But you got your injury history. It just the value for it. It's not there. It's just not there. I couldn't do it. Kyle's not going to do it. He's not. I would be floored if Kyle Shanahan ends up paying Debo Samuels that amount of money. Floored. Do you really think Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch give a fuck that Debo Samuels deleted them on Instagram? I guarantee you they don't even know that it happened probably till hours after it did. Who cares? This All this Instagram nonsense is ridiculous. Oh, I don't want to go to Instagram. I want to block you now. I want to, I want, this is how I want to negotiate. It's, 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 and I understand it's 2022, Russ. It's how the world works. We're evolved. We're all addicted to social media. This is how we all get our news. Adam Schefter gets paid $10 million a year now just to tweet out the Saints traded with the Eagles. Right? This is how we get our shit. I understand that. But, geez, fucking fuck, man. This is, and it's unlike Debo. Debo, or is it? I mean, I say that, but is it? I mean, because we, we thought that once about Michael Thomas, right? We thought Michael Thomas was just a great character. Debo Samuels is always front in line with Trent Williams, big boom box on their shoulders, getting ready to go, seems like a team leader, always 100%, work ethic is there. Those aren't concerns that we had, but we didn't have those concerns about Michael Thomas either, and all of a sudden, that went to shit. So Debo Samuels gets the paid, and it just goes to shit, maybe. I don't know. I, 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 I would struggle struggle to give Debo this money. He's also a restricted free agent next year, which means the the San Francisco 49ers could let him test free agency and then have, I don't what is it, nine days to match any offer. Now, it's going to be an inflated offer, and if they really want to keep him, they're going to have to pay him more than they would pay him right now. So in that case, you could say, well, then just pay him. Yeah, but what if he comes out and fucking tears his ACL? The dude has had so many problems with his legs, with his feet. He broke his fibia, right? He, he tears his hamstring every other week. I mean, two years ago, he was he missed nine games. He was up in the booth with Jimmy eating popcorn, hanging out with his porn stars and supermodels, drinking a fucking Miller and Coors Light. I, I, I would struggle. I would struggle to give Debo Samuels that money right now. Next year, you do it again? No problem, buddy. I give you that money. Right now, I got to sit on my hands. All right, folks, let's get to the mock draft. We got today, we got, what do we have, 16 through 20? So we're getting there. It's coming down to it. It's the 8th. Draft is in 20 days. 20 days until we hear that the the draft is now open. The commissioner goes to the podium. They do their all thing. Las Vegas is going to be crazy. It's going to be nuts. It's wild. But let's get into it. Let's start it off again. We're starting with 16, the New Orleans Saints. You are on the clock. And with the 16th pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, the New Orleans Saints select wide receiver Jamison Williams out of Alabama. Folks, I think I think Williams has a chance to be the first wide receiver off the board. This guy, he's tall, he's lean, he's explosive. Every fucking Alabama game I watch, every move that he makes on the field is so sudden. It's so fast. It's so explosive. His release is 
none like any other in college football. He and just and he's when he thinks he's got a top speed, boom, he hits another gear. I saw him countless times just run away from people, and he was on his way to a remark. I mean, he could have scored four or five touchdowns in that game that he got hurt, and he did get hurt, and that is a concern with the ACL. But he's looking good. He's coming back. I I, w- I wouldn't be scared to pull the trigger on this guy. In my opinion, I think the Chiefs have a great chance of moving up and tr- and drafting this guy. I think I think he's on their board. I think you can package one of your first rounders. You give a second rounder. You still got 30 or 29 to stay in and get a good cornerback that's going to be there. Maybe an offensive lineman or an inside linebacker that could be there and fit that gap for you. So I think Jamison Williams has got a chance to really intrigue a lot of players. I love this dude. I, I think he's an explosive weapon waiting to happen. And what do the Saints need? The Saints need some weapons. I was just talking about I have no idea, no clue who their other wide receivers are. Right, just Michael Thomas. Talk about that last week. So let's go, Jamison Williams for the Saints. Give Dennis Allen, give Jamison, Jamis Winston a weapon, a guy that can take the top off, get the ball in his hands, make plays. A Debo Samuel's kind of esque, Tyreek Hill kind of merged player. Jamison Williams, he's a stud. Let's t- take the top off and just dominate. The Los Angeles Chargers, you are on the clock with the 17th overall pick in the 2022. 2022, what is it? Mock draft, breaking the goal line mock draft. The the I almost call him San Diego. I want to call him San Diego every time. So the, the Chargers select interior offensive lineman Tyler Lindenbaum out of Iowa. Now he played center in Iowa, but he can also play guard. He's a redshirt j- junior who is strong as a fucking ox. Probably, arguably. The best offense could be the best offensive lineman in this in this draft. I know Neil is good, Aquanu is good, but when I watch him, he reminds me of Creed Humphreys, who came out in the draft last year to to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. He was phenomenal. I see a lot of Creed Humphreys in here. He's great at run blocking. He's a solid pass blocker, super strong down low. He, he he's gonna steady strong. He won't be moved. I love this guy. And to get the, get him here. With Justin Herbert and the Chargers, and I know the Chargers got Lin- Lindsey Ryan Lindley as their center. That's fine. You take you take Tyler, you take Lindenbaum, you move him over to right guard where you really need a hole filled. And now that offensive line goes from being okay, getting better, to being solid. And Herbert will have time all day to throw the ball downfield. This is a perfect move to protect your young quarterback. Get this guy, Iowa corn-fed big boy in there to get Justin Herbert's ass upright and throwing touchdowns, baby. Let's go. Philadelphia Eagles, you are on the clock. And with the 18th pick in the 2022 draft, in the Eagles' second pick of the first round, they're going to take defensive tackle Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia and this kid, folks, makes me smile when I watch him. You want to talk about an old-school, rugged, hard-nosed football player? You look no further than the kid from Georgia who went side-by-side side with Jordan Davis. He's he's quick. He's thick. He's super fucking thick. Big ass. Hard, hard to get, hard, hard, it's going to be hard for offensive linemen to move him. He's quick. He's quicker than you think. He's got some pass moves. Great, great great run defender. He keeps his pad low, keeps his knees moving. I think right here it's a fantastic fit for a defensive line who is aging a little bit. 
could have some outside rushers, could use some little more help on that defensive line to really solidify them. I think the Eagles go here after I, I had them taking Chris Olave. I got him go offense, big playmaker there. Now you come down, you take your defensive lineman, Devontae Wyatt. This kid's a stud. He's just, he, he's, there, he's a bulldog. He is a Georgia Bulldog. He is a Bulldog in the trenches. This would be a fantastic take for the Eagles to make and just clean up that defensive line just a little bit, allow the run. to. And they were not very good against the run last year. So you clean that up. You allow teams to throw on you. You try You try to score. You know, you, you just, I think this is a good move here. Eagles need some playmakers on offense. They need some playmakers on defense. They need some steady, steady anchors. So here we go. You get, you get yourself a wide receiver, then you get yourself a defensive tackle, and I'm running the card up for Devontae Wyatt. I think he has a chance to go higher. I wouldn't be shocked if he goes over Jordan Davis. I really wouldn't. Really wouldn't. He's thick. He's quick. Just big ass. I mean, just huge ass. Takes up four gaps. Just fantastic there. But, uh, the New Orleans Saints, once again, you are on the clock. And with the 19th pick in the 2022 draft, the New Orleans Saints' second pick of the first round. Inside linebacker, Devin Lloyd, senior from Utah. This kid, I love him. Reminds me a lot of Fred Warner. Uh, tall, rangy. He's He played a lot. He, he switched from outside to inside. He's a versatile uh, blitzer. He's a downhill run stuffer. He's not afraid. He plays excellent cover two player. I love him. I think he's the first linebacker taken off the board. I honestly would be surprised if he goes higher, if he goes in the top 15. When you this when you get a, a, a linebacker that can cover tight ends the way that he can do, blitz the way that he does, play the run the way that he does, I love me some Devin Lloyd. Love me some Devin Lloyd. Last year, my favorite player in the draft was probably Jeremiah Musukomo, linebacker. This year, my favorite player in the draft is probably Devin Lloyd out of Utah, linebacker. This guy is a fucking beast. He can take it to the house if he gets his hand, if he gets his ball on it, hands on the ball. I, I just, I see, I see Pro Bowler, I see Fred Warner, I see fucking Pro Bowler with this guy. And if he's there for the Saints that need a, a, some defensive help too in the middle in that linebacking spot, you get yourself a Jamison Williams to just take the top off of your offense, and then you get yourself a Devin Lloyd who can just settle and anchor down the middle of that defense. Look, even with Dennis Allen and Jamis Winston, they they would have some players. They would have some players the Saints would. They'd be able to compete maybe for, maybe they're in the NFC, so maybe maybe the seventh seed, who knows? But a Devin Lloyd out of Utah, the senior who is remarkable. I've watched him play. He ate ASU's fucking lunch when he played him. ASU, I watched the Stanford game. He had a pick six in that game, which was so phenomenal. He had two sacks in that game. He, it felt like he had 18 tackles. This guy is all over the field. Long, rangy. I would say Fred Warner, Devin Bush. It, it puts it is what this guy gives you. That would be my comparison, my comp. Devin Lloyd there, 19 to the Saints. Pittsburgh Steelers, you are on the clock. With the 20th pick in the last pick for today, the Pittsburgh Steelers select safety Dax Hall out of Michigan. And let me tell you what. If they can get Dax Hall paired up with Mika Fitzpatrick, Dax Hall is a versatile. He, Dax Hall is Mika Fitzpatrick. They, they are they are so similar. This guy he plays. He's outstanding, instinctive, fast play speed. He comes. To, he flies to the ball. He he can play a slot. You can literally him. He can be your slot corner. 
He's he played it in college all the time at Michigan. Can be your slot quarter. He showed ability to get to the house when he touches the ball. He's not afraid to come up and make a tackle. That's 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 the thing. That's the key. Pittsburgh defense, you can't be afraid to come up and make a tackle. Now, Pittsburgh has added some additions in their secondary already. You go up and you get yourself a Dax Hall, a strong safety to compare with Mika. I just, I think all right, I, I mean, Dax can instantly, I think that he can come in, Hill can, Hill can instantly come in and be an impact player. Instantly be an impact player. It's Dax Hill, not Dax Hall. I apologize. He's really good. Really good. I like this guy. And sometimes when I do these mock drafts, certain players fall in areas where the draft kind of lines up where I just start foaming at the mouth. And for me, Dax Hall, Dax Hill out of Michigan, safety to the Steelers is one of those players. I I, I think their defense would instantly improve. Not only do you have the best, you know, best defense player in the league last year in TJ Watt, the best pass rusher in the league, him and Miles Garrett, you, you would also have the best safety and Mika Fitzpatrick. Devin Bush is a really good young talent that could take some strides. And you add this guy into the secondary, your defense is going to hold up. Yeah, Trubisky, Trubisky can have some bad games because this defense would hold up. And if you can, if Hill's there, I I don't I just don't, where are you going to go? You're going to go wide receiver here if you're the Steelers? You go Dotson? Okay, why? You go Dotson? I think you've got some talent. You got talent on the offense side of the ball. I wouldn't be afraid going offensive line. Maybe taking the internal, uh, the uh, the the guard from Georgia. Maybe taking the other tackle that's on the board. Uh, the, the the Texas A&M kid. I'd be okay with that. Green, Kenyon Green. Fine. But for me, I just want to focus on Steeler football. I want to get back to the basics, and I want to beat the shit out of people. That's what I want to do. I want to fucking slobber, slobber knocker. I want to slobber knocker. That's what I want. I want to fucking have Devin Bush, Mika, TJ, and Hill come up and beat the shit out of you on every play because that's how we play Steeler football. That's how it's done in Pittsburgh. And I would run the card up. Run the card up in a heartbeat at 20. I think Hill has a chance to be the first safety off the board over who I think may be the best player in this draft, maybe Kyle Hamilton. It's just because... Hills versus he can play the slot. You can literally have him be your slot corner. He is so good underneath. He's so good in the middle of the field. He's great over the top. There's not a lot that he can do. His potential is very, very, very high. I see a Mika Fitzpatrick. I really do. If you can get that guy together in, in Steeler country, I think that uh, secondary would be pretty good. So there we go. There's the five for today. We got at 16, Saints taking wide receiver Jamison Williams at Bama. 17, the Colts sticking with that offensive line. Interior lineman Tyler Lindenberg from Iowa. 18, the Eagles going to go defensive tackle. Devontae White out of Georgia. Sure up that middle of that defense. Get a run stopper. It was horrible last year. Saints going to go at 19, inside linebacker Devin Lloyd. Get yourself just a defensive signal caller. A guy that's going to come in there. He's gonna, he, You know what he's going to give you day in and day out. He's going to be the workhorse for that defense. And at 20, the Steelers take safety. Dax Hill. It just just get yourself another playmaker. Get yourself a guy that can be so versatile on that defense. And you know what? It's going to cover up for Trubisky's mistakes. That's what it's going to do. So there you, there you have it. Fucking 20 in. Looking pretty good so far. All right, folks. I'm just going to go ahead and do it for me on a Friday night. A little late. A little late. You know, about 9.30. It's okay. Got to get up early. Tiger tees off at 10 a.m. tomorrow. So 
getting up early, getting everything you need to do, getting that workout in early, going to work a little bit early, and then going to come in and watch five hours of Tiger Woods try to maybe climb this leaderboard. I hope you guys do the same. Have a fabulous weekend. I'll talk to everybody at the beginning of next week. Have a good one. Peace.